just a little warning before we begin that this series contains strong language and discussion of an adult nature, so may not be suitable for everybody. Welcome to Where Mama At in the Soul Bear Sessions series with me, Angela Smith. This series tells true life stories from extraordinary people who've thrived after enduring extreme trauma and life challenges. And they're speaking out and bearing their souls, often for the very first time, to share their stories and offer hope to other people who are going through difficult situations. The special guest today, who over the next few episodes is going to be telling his incredible life story, is Terence Holloway. In fact, his story is so dramatic and so filled with incredible twists and turns that there's actually a movie being made about it. It's a story about growing up on the run from a drug gang, becoming a rap star and working with the likes of Tupac and Exhibit, looking for his homeless mother on the dangerous streets of Los Angeles, and even building an alter ego to escape his real identity after being a three-time victim of sexual abuse. Here are a few clips of what's to come in this episode. So they spin the bottle and then they make the bottle get, they make the bottle go on me. So they really didn't spin it, they spinned it and made it, made the top of the bottle go to me. So my brother told one of the girls that um, she had to go in the room with me and have sex with me. I mean, she was screaming, where's my motherfucking son? And uh, she was like, I'll kill you. And she had a knife in her hand. So we left it at a bit of a cliffhanger, the last episode. You were in a cupboard with an ice cream. You'd yes. been kidnapped. Yes. As a five-year-old. What on earth happened? I, how long did you end up staying in there? I was actually in the closet for a couple of days. A couple of days? Yeah. So you didn't even he didn't even let you out to use the bathroom or Mm-mm. Oh, Mm-mm. so what happened? You did you have to pee pee in there and Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so cruel. It was uh the first day in that night and the next day. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like 48 hours, maybe like 30, 36 hours, something like that. But it wasn't like one day, one night, one day, one night, the next day. But um, it was two days. Can you take yourself back to that period of time when you're in that closet? Can you think what that five-year-old was feeling at that point? Yeah, just being scared. But um, it's like... Uh, For one, I was already, I mean, it's hard to say, but I was already in that kind of mind state of being lonely and by myself and being picked on and being like an outcast. It was just like, I didn't think too much was going to happen to me. I just, uh, I was scared by being in the dark, but I was kind of like a kid with no fear. Did he feed you? Did he give you any food? No. Did you think you would get out of the closet eventually? I thought I did, yeah. You, d- you didn't think that you were going to die in there and just... No, I didn't think I was going to die. Do you think maybe the trauma that you'd already gone through would help you prepare to manage that trauma? Because you were kind of used to dealing with adversity. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? How did you get out? Um, I remember him coming to the door... And uh, 
he grabbed me and took me straight to the front door and my mom was outside screaming. What was she saying? Um, she was she was screaming, she was screaming, Where's my motherfucking son? And uh she was like, I'll kill you and she had a knife in her hand. Wow. Yeah. So what had happened? I mean, obviously you didn't know at the time, but retrospectively you know what happened how that how she came to be there, what happened? Yeah, my grandparents called her and told her that I was gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how I, did she find out who had you? Uh, from the people across the street. My brother was a part of the gang, so my brother ended up finding out who it was. Right. Yeah. And it was somebody from, that was from the same gang as my brother. Was your brother worried about you at that point? My my brother, uh, not my oldest, no, but my brother that's with my mom and my dad, yeah. He was concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole block was concerned because everybody came out because everybody knew me as being this little kid. So it wasn't like... It was just the gangsters that was messing with me, but it was like everybody else kind of like treated me really well on that, on that street. It was more of a community on the street, so everybody kind of got together and figured it out who it was. Mm-hmm. And he was like a he was a gang member, but he was he was like a smoker. He was like a weirdo, and it was like one of my dad's dad's friends. And it was like one of his big homies is one of the people that my mom put in jail. And that was the reason that he yeah, did yeah, it. Yeah. 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 So finally, there was some retribution. So your mum's paranoia actually was found, well founded. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So they took it out on her kid. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did anyone call the police at the time? Or... No, no. He's he's got beat up real bad. So do you remember your mum? What happened after that? Did she take you back to the grandparents' house, or did she take her away with her? What no, she took us both. She took us back with her, and then um, we stayed in Pasadena at that point. Right. Yeah, Pasadena, California. And did she allow you to go back to your grandparents after that had happened? Yes, she did. Yeah. Yeah. So were you sad to leave even though bad things had happened to you there? Yeah, because I didn't want to go back to the motel. Right. Yeah. So what happened when you did get back to the motel? Um, When I got back to the motel, I was on a strict... wouldn't say punishment because it wasn't nothing. It wasn't like a punishment. There's something that I did, but I wasn't able to leave and go outside. She was kind of paranoid oh. for me to be outside. And were you paranoid as well to be outside? Because mm-hmm. I wanted to no. go outside. That was my only gateway because in the motel, you only have a bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a bathroom. It was a bed, bathroom, two beds, a bathroom, small TV, and a... Uh, dresser mm. it was like real small motel so like like me and my brothers used to have to sleep head to feet right yeah so mm. i just wanted to be outside mm. my main thing was to go outside and at this point you still <clears throat> had the the braces on your feet yes and did your mum help you to try to regain walking skills or get walking skills yeah my mom did um everything that she could when she was around to uh fix that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so she would rub my feet, uh, she would rub my legs, uh, she would tell me to talk slow. Um, she would tell me to pronounce words very, very slow. So if it was like the, she would say, say the. And that would be repeatedly for for like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And eventually you did overcome the stuttering issue, didn't you? Do you know how you did that? Do you know why you were able to do that? Listening to my mom. Listening to my mom and repeating the words. And when she would leave, I would repeat them by myself. And 
did it traumatize you to know that you were stuttering? It was more of just like my life. Like that was just me. Mm. Yeah. How old were you when you managed to stop stuttering? Um, I stuttered for a long time. The heavy stuttering stopped when I was like about eight or nine, like eight years old. And but I would still have problems with saying long words. So the short words would be able to get out because it was a short word. Mm -hmm. So when I practiced the and uh, she, he, like like three three or four letter words, I would be able to get those out. But when it came to long words, then it yeah, like I had a problem with saying longer words. So I would I would try to uh like in school I would try not to say the longer words. Like when it, when it's time for me to read, then I'll just go mute. I like go mute. Have you done any research into stuttering? Do you know anything about the psychological aspect of it? And what do you have any theories as to why you were a stutterer? No. 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 I've uh, no. I never done any mm. research on it. I believe it's trauma-related, actually, so it kind of stands to reason because you yourself had so much trauma. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of unusual, I think, for people to be able to get over it themselves without actually having outside help. Yeah, we never really had yeah. outside help. I didn't have any outside help, um, like, with the stuttering, even with me walking. So your mum really was pretty good in that in Yeah, that my mum did it. Yeah, yeah, she did it, like, for sure. Yeah. My, um, when I would go to my grandparents, my mom would tell my grandparents how to talk to me and how to actually help me out, too. So it would be my mom. And then when I go to my grandparents, they would do the same technique. Mm. So no matter where I was at, they would try to do the same technique with me. I see. But in school, I'd just be quiet because the teachers wouldn't do the same technique. Mm -hmm. It was more of a... Uh, I don't think they knew how to actually deal with a kid like myself. Mm. So you were in Pasadena, you were going to school again at this point. What was school like at that time? That's when I started getting teased a lot. Hmm. It was a new school, the new kid that stutters. I was fresh off the braces and I couldn't play sports. So I couldn't really run and play basketball or do the things that the other kids do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, PE activities, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't participate. So I've, I was like treated as an outcast. My brother was always fresh. He would go steal his clothes. He would like, you know what I'm saying? He was different. And I was not. So it was like a difference, but a lot of people were scared of my brother. Mm -hmm. Like my brother would mess with me, but he didn't want nobody else to mess with me. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was the difference. Right. So there's some brotherly loyalty going on there. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. He had to beat up a couple of people when I was in school. Oh. Yeah, he did. I don't know why I'm... <laughs> <laughs> but, but he did, though. Yeah. yeah. I suppose that's kind of nice for you. <laughs> You're living in Pasadena and uh, your mum got pregnant. Do you remember how you felt about that? She wasn't there a lot. Hmm. Like, she wasn't around. So we didn't see my mom a lot. So it was kind of better for me and my brother because then it felt like we had the hotel, I mean, we had the motel by ourselves. Mm -hmm. And you're around nine years old at this point. You've stopped stuttering and you're out of the braces. Is that right? Eight years old. Eight years old. Uh -huh. Eight. You're, yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, she was holding down two jobs as well at this point. And so she often had to arrange childcare for you. So tell me about that scenario. My mom started realizing that my brother 
was in the streets. I think that's the first time that he got arrested. Mm-hmm. And so my brother would just leave me in the motel by myself. And then I would roam around the motel and roam around the parking lot. like roam. I wouldn't go too far, but it was just like this kid is roaming around. And then she didn't want to get in trouble by the, by the uh, management of the motel. So she befriended a couple people that was in the motel. And one of the people was this lady that had three daughters. And um, so my mom had picked up another job. It was a weekend job. She was working two, do- two jobs through the week and a weekend job. And um, she asked the lady, because she started babysitting me. The first time that the lady babysat me, she just let me go outside. So I was just like, it was kind of like the same thing. I just, so she wasn't babysitting you at all? No, no. Um, the lady was an alcoholic. She was really, like, she used to be drunk. Real loud, drunk lady. The second time, she asked the lady, because she babysit me. And I think it was a weekend at that point. And... Um, I remember the lady was in there smoking weed and she was she had a drink. And I seen the look on my mom's face and it was just like, oh shit. But um she had to go. So she um I went inside that I went inside her motel room and then uh the her three daughters was in there and she was like, You guys go outside because m- mind you that the motel was just one room. So it was like everybody sitting in her face. So she was like, You guys go outside. So the three girls asked me to play a game called hide and go get it. And I didn't understand what it was. It was basically an uh, alternative game of hide and seek. So I'm thinking that we're about to go play hide and seek. Um, so they do a, they, they have the smallest girl do the count. The other two girls run off and then I run off and I go jump into an empty trash can outside. Outside the motel in the back, it was like a big dumpster. And I jumped into the dumpster and then I heard the girls actually start coming to the trash can. So I was in there quiet. And then the oldest girl lift up the trash can door and hopped in. And she told her sister, which is the middle sister, to hop in. So the middle sister hopped in. Then they picked up the youngest one and put her in. And then the oldest girl held me down the middle girl pulled down my pants and they told the little girl to start playing with me, playing with my private parts. And the little girl started crying. So the oldest girl got mad at the little girl. And then she, well, she, she was holding me down. At this point, now I'm, I'm trying to tussle out at the situation. I couldn't really get out the situation. And so the middle girl and the oldest one started touching with my private parts. And fundling with me and stuff like that. Um, the little girl jumped out the trash can. They finished what they was doing, then they jumped out, and I just stayed in the trash can for a couple hours and was crying. How on earth did you feel? At that point, I was a little bit older than the young situation, so I did feel violated. Uh, Had you not felt violated when you were five and it happened to you? Uh-uh. Because you were too young to even... I was little. I was a little, I was a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see the one, the one that, when you were five, did you ever see her again? Mm-hmm. And did she say anything to you? Or... Mm-mm. Oh, how Mm-mm. did you they feel? They used to smirk at me. How did you feel when you saw her? I used to run into the house to, uh, like, whenever I seen her with the guys, I will run into the house. Okay, so then three or, three or four years later, it happens to you again. 
So you stayed in the trash can for two hours. What was going through your mind when you were in the trash can? Um, I remember hitting the trash can. I was just hitting all the walls. and like I'm in an empty trash can, so I was just banging and hitting the walls and hitting inside the trash can. I was mad then. Yeah, I was, I was really mad. Who were you mad with most? The oldest girl, because I couldn't get out of her hole. Right. The oldest one, because she knew and what she was doing. How old was she? Like 14, 15. 14, 15. Yeah. She was in junior high school, and the two was in elementary school. The little one was uh, in, like, first grade, and then the middle one actually went to school with me. So young. You wonder where they learned how to do that. Like, they must have gone through their own abuse to even know about that kind of thing at that age. So eventually you got out of the trash can and you went back to their motel room, did you? Or where did you go when you got out of the trash can? I stayed at the door. I went went up, it was upstairs. And I went upstairs and just stayed at the door. And then the lady ended up coming outside and she put me inside right after that my mom came. Right. It was like right after that my mom came. So I think I was in the trash can for a couple hours and I was outside their door for a couple hours. And after that my mom came. But I was actually inside when my mom came because I remember my mom came inside and then they had a beer together and I just stood at the door and was ready to leave. But um, once again, I didn't say anything. You didn't, were you tempted to say something to your mom? Mm-mm. Why did you not want to tell her? I felt like my mom would have thought it was my fault. Really? Yeah. And do you think she would have done or, or was that an irrational fear? Nah, it's just... I just had a fear of my mom. Do you think she would have been sympathetic if you had told her? Or do you think she would have blamed you? She probably would have blamed me. You think so? Mm-hmm. Really? She would have said, what the fuck is you doing in that trash can then? <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of my mom. It's kind of a good point. But... <laughs> That's what my mom would have said. Yeah. My mom was, uh, she was strictly to the point. We'll be right back continuing the conversation with Terence after these quick messages from our sponsors. From the same company that brought you this series, there are three new podcasts that we strongly recommend. The first one is a true crime series called Framed for Murder, the case of Matthew Turner. It's a really harrowing and quite intriguing true crime series about a guy who's now 32 years old and he spent the last 14 years in prison for a crime that all the evidence suggests he did not commit. The series, available as a podcast or on video, follows his legal team as they reinvestigate the case and fight for his exoneration in real time. If you're a true crime fan, it's absolutely not to be missed. On a totally different note, we've got a podcast about online dating called Accidentally MILF Online Dating Adventures After 50 with Angel Bliss. The podcast has already won nine awards and if you listen to it, you'll understand why. Oh my goodness, the scrapes and the stories that are told in this podcast are absolutely hilarious. It is brilliant fun and is highly, highly recommended. And for music fans everywhere, 
Paul Ryder, the legendary bass player of Manchester Legends Happy Mondays, who sadly passed away in July 2022. Well, he has a brand new series coming out, available as a podcast or on video called The Paul Ryder Tapes, Sex, Drugs, Happy Mondays and Me. You see, in the months leading up to his death, he sat down with me and told his whole life story in absolute depth revealing lots of secrets about Happy Mondays and he also talks about his own drug addiction, his own struggles with mental health and there are lots of really funny and special anecdotes and cool guests such as Paul Oakenfold, Peter Hook, Clint Boone and many many other big names from the music world. So that's the Paul Ryder tapes coming soon. Please check that one out as well. Soon after that, your mum gave birth to your sister. Yes. Tell me about that. Tell me about how you felt about your sister. Um, it was a happy moment. Like, I was there. It was a happy moment when my sister was born. You were at the birth? Yes, oh. yes. In the uh, hospital or...? Hospital. Yeah. Uh, hospital. We was in the waiting room, and then I was actually able to hold my sister. My sister, when she was born, um, she had a lump in her nose. Uh... And we don't know what it was about, but my mom was then going through her mental stages. So she thought that my sister had uh, had um, like a bug planted in her to watch where she was going, to watch where my mom was going. She thought the doctors did that. Ooh. My mom was totally against doctors, especially okay. after what happened with me. Right, with your legs uh-huh. being so, broken. Yeah. So, so you, you, your mom is beginning to lose her mental capacity at this point yeah my mom started yeah losing it so you were motel living again yes um but that changed soon after didn't it because she met some people that she got a job quite a long way away and met some people that said they could help you out tell me about that no she didn't get a job um she was a part of a, a group of women and they were called tough love and it was a group of women that had bad boys, bad teenage boys. Mm-hmm. And my brother used to have to go to the tough love because he was the kid that they was that my mom was trying to actually get help for. Mm-hmm. And um, it was more like a group of women that counsel each other and try to help with mm-hmm. with bad kids, basically. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly what it was. Mm-hmm. And I think she got introduced to the tough love group through. Um, a woman that had a child that was in the same juvenile hall as my brother. That's how they connect. Mm. So it wasn't a job. It was that's how they connect. The woman and my mom connected, and they ended up being friends. And the woman invited my mom to actually come and stay at her house because we were living in motels, and my mom kind of you know enclosed what what was going on with her. I remember going to the house. Um, on the walls is a picture of a prophet which is what they said, but um, like it just looked like a man trying to look like Jesus <laughs> to me, <laughs> really to my mom too. So um, I don't know what my mom went in there and said. She came back in the room and then they came and knocked on the door and they told us to have dinner with them. So, um, you know, we went and sat at the table and then they asked us for our hands for prayer and they started humming. Humming? Yeah, they were humming. Like what? Give us an example. Like, hmm, for a long time. Oh. Just like that. 
And then um, it wasn't like a regular prayer that I'm used to. So I can't really recite the exact prayer. Yeah. I just know my mom stopped the prayer and was like, uh-uh. And my mom was really adamant. She was like, you know, she was very serious. Um, she was like, no, nah, my, my kids is not doing this. So she snatched us up, put us in the back room. And then next thing you know, we heard the door knock really, really loud. And then my mom went out, my mom went out the room. And when my mom came in, she said, uh, get your bags and put them by the door. So you hadn't even eaten your dinner? No, we didn't eat. Oh. Yeah, my mom didn't even, mm-mm. And um, my mom waited for them to go to sleep. I guess she wouldn't, I guess she went in there and kind of played them a little bit to tell them like whatever it was, you know what I'm saying? So we didn't, uh, we didn't eat dinner. And um, we were in the room. And then late night, my mom got into the car and then we left. And we went back to a motel in Pasadena. We were at the motel. My mom went to work. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know if the man followed my mom and figured it out, but um, I ended up seeing the man again and the man put me in his car. He just put me in a car. Like he grabbed See? me and put me in a car. And then he took me back to the house. So you were just hanging around on the street and he pulled up his car, yeah, got was, out, grabbed the, you, threw you in his car. I was in the parking lot. I was in the parking lot of the motel because I used to I used to uh, play with myself in the parking lot of the motel, like hiding between the cars and going between the cars and stuff. Just, you know, just something I used to do. But yeah, that's when he put me in between. I mean, that's when he grabbed me and put me in the car and then took me back to where the house was. And what on earth was going through your mind when he put you in the car? It's kind of hard for me to remember everything, you know what I'm saying? But I know that my mom ended up going back to the house and she started a big old commotion at this house. And then, I'm not surprised yeah. someone kidnapped a kid. <laughs> yeah. So how did she realise that that's where you were? Uh, I don't know. So how long did they keep you for before she showed up? It was that night. That same night? Yeah, it was that same night. Yeah, it was that same night. My mom went back over there. Was your sister around at this point? Was this no, my sister wasn't born. My okay. brother wasn't around either. Did he explain why he was taking you? No. 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 And when you got back to the house, do you remember what happened before your mum got there? When I got back to the house, I was... Um, the daughter had, like, stuff outside, and I was playing with the daughter outside. Right, so nothing sinister happened to you at the mm -hmm. house. Do you think it would have done if you'd stayed? What do you think was going on? I think they thought my mom was troubled. Right. I think their solution was to take me and not my brother. Because they used to... I'm telling you, they came from a tough love. and You know what I'm saying? They was all mm -hmm. a part of this whole little mm -hmm. group of people. So I think... I don't think they had totally bad intentions. Hmm. Like, to be honest with you, I really don't think that they had totally bad intentions. This is, like, those people, I don't think... It was just weird, a weird situation in a weird house. But I don't think... These people have bad intentions. I think they thought my mom was troubled with two kids at a motel. And one kid just got a juvenile hall and she couldn't control her situation. Right, so they thought that they were doing you a favor. I think that's what it was because right when I got there, it wasn't like... I can say it wasn't like... Like, I went straight outside and played with the daughter. Mm. But they could have been prosecuted for... Yeah. Kidnapping, couldn't yeah. they? Yeah. That behavior is yeah. just outrageous. Yeah. But I don't know if they was going to call the police on my mom mm. and have the kids taken from my mom. That's mm. kind of where my mom's head was at because when we oh. get back, 
we packed up everything, put it in the car, and she left. That's when we went to East L.A. Right. Yep. That's, That's when we went to East L.A. And what happened in East L.A.? And we LA? was, like, right by Cal State University. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what happened when you were there? Uh... East L.A., that's when my brother started really acting really, really, really bad. <laughs> really, really bad. He was he was really, really bad. Um, my brother was awful. Uh, he would steal cars. Uh, he, like, he broke into the Foot Lockers. Um, him and his friends broke into, like, the Foot Lockers. It was like a shoe warehouse type of thing. Mm-hmm. So they, was, they, was, uh, they were known for robbing people. Mm-hmm. That's when I got the worst out of my brother. That's when he treated me really bad. Yeah, but he was drunk all the time. He was, he was like 13 years old. And then um, he had a party at my mom's house with all of his friends. No, he was like 14, 15, yeah. He had a party at my mom's house with all of his friends. It was It was a ditching party. And I had a half day of school, so I got in. I what, got, what's a ditching party? A ditching party is when... Um, when everybody ditches from school and they go to one person's house where the mom is not there and they can actually go there and drink and smoke weed and play music and shit because nobody's there. So my my house was that, my that's when we had the uh, small apartment. That's when the small apartment was short-lived. I had a short day. I remember I got out, it was like a short day with me. My brother was supposed to pick me up and I ended up having to walk myself home. So when I got in the house, I seen my brother and all his friends in there. And they were playing spin the bottle. So a couple people, a couple dudes with shirts off, girls had bras on, everybody was in there laughing. It was just like a weird party. So I walked in and went straight to the back room. My brother came in there and got me, and he told me that I had to play, or otherwise he was gonna beat me up. And I was scared of my brother. So I was just like, all right, I'm gonna play. So they spin the bottle and then they make the bottle get they make the bottle go on me. So they really didn't spin it. They spinned it and made it made the top of the bottle go to me. So my brother told one of the girls that um, she had to go in the room with me and have sex with me. Wow, you just said that. Yeah. How old were you at this point? Um, I think I was like eleven. Yeah, I was like eleven. Did you know what that meant? At that point, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what did you think? I didn't want I, I it was just like oh, that's when I was upset at what was going on. I was mad. Yeah, I was mad at my brother for doing that to me. I was upset. So what happened? So she took me in the room and then that's when she put her mouth on my penis. That was the first time that ever happened, like really ever happened like that. And then um so we came out and everybody was laughing and then I ran outside. And then I remember uh, it was a shopping cart at the top of the... uh, We lived on a hill, and it was a shopping cart. And they took their little party outside, right? So maybe a couple hours later. It wasn't like, you know, like right then, because I was just outside crying. I was, was like, I was devastated that my my brother did this to me. So the next joke was to put me in the shopping cart and to roll me down the hill. So they grabbed me and put me in a shopping cart. And instead of rolling me down the hill, they just pushed the shopping cart down the hill. So I fell out the shopping cart and my leg ended up in uh, in a uh, 
in a fender of a car. Oh, wow. Yeah. And were you injured from that? Yeah, I still have a scar today. Really? Yeah. Yeah, like right here. Wow. But when I was little, it was like all this was inside the fender of a car. So what happened? Um, nothing. He he grabbed me and he um, pulled you off the car. Uh huh. They came, ran down there. The the laughing was over now. Right. So they realized that yeah, the, they yeah, kind of the, messed up. Yeah, the laughing was over. Yeah. 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 And then from there, you moved to Arizona. Uh, she couldn't pay the rent. She uh got evicted out of there. Right. That's why we moved out of East LA. Right. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, Arizona was quick. It was just fast. She just went somewhere else. I I really didn't really know where yeah. we was at. I just knew that we was in Arizona and then Arizona to uh to San Francisco. I liked it. San Francisco, I liked it. Um that was the first time I really had peace. Mm -hmm. Like my mom was working. Um it was a real babysitter for my sister, so I didn't have to babysit. Mm -hmm. I had got me a paper route. I had me a real cool friend. It was just me and this one dude I used to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And then I was making some money on my little paper routes, and my mom didn't know I had money. <laughs> I like San Francisco. At the beginning, I didn't. Um, we were staying with different people. Um, San Francisco has houses to where they have basements, mm -hmm. and people rent out basements. So we got out of motel living and started living in, like, in basements of people's houses. So I don't know how she figured that out, but she figured that out. So we lived in three, three people's houses, and then she ended up getting an apartment. And that was like our very first, like real nice apartment. So what did it feel like to have an actual apartment? I mean, it felt good because I had a room. I never had a room. Did you have to share it with your brother or did you have your own rooms? No, my sister. But my sister was a baby, so she'd be in my mom's room or in the living room, but you know what I'm mm. saying? And where did your brother sleep? My brother was in and out. He had just got out of jail too. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was in and out. My brother was in the streets. He never stayed in the house like that. And how old were you at this point? Um, San Francisco, I was maybe 12. So we've kind of glossed over the, the fact that you've been sexually abused three times at this point, like, and you're mm -hmm. 11, 12 years old. Like, what kind of impact did it have on you as a 12-year-old to have gone through that? I just didn't trust people. It wasn't only women. I didn't, I didn't trust people. When I came, I felt like I was coming to an age to where I can understand more things. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of open to more things. And then everywhere, you got to understand, like everywhere I went, it was always somebody new. So I always had a different kind of story. So nobody really knew who I was. Mm -hmm. I didn't trust people. I was like, I didn't want any friends. And I, I didn't want nobody to know me. So I kind of started, that's when I kind of started making up a persona. And at this point in San Francisco, my mom ended up doing well. So it wasn't like I was in hand-me-down clothes or nothing like that. We had a nice apartment. It was, and then the people in San Francisco, I never let know what just happened to me. Mm -hmm. And that's when my first kind of like itching of being bad a little bit where you know, I smoked a little bit of weed like you know what I'm saying like being being yeah. the cool guy um when my brother got to San Francisco he got with the wrong crowd for sure um a lot of attention was on my brother um it became Christmas and it was raining really really hard 
and my brother used my mom's car while she was, I forget what my mom was doing, but it wasn't, she didn't let him use it. Mm. Um, and then he ended up wrecking and totaling her car. Oh, no. Yeah. And it was like two days before Christmas. So my mom didn't have any transportation at that point, And she kind of went into a panic. So the money that she had, she bought a car. Mm-hmm. And she didn't pay rent. And we got evicted. Uh. So then we was in the car sleeping by the time of my birthday, which was like a month later because she already was like a month back. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know exactly exactly how she's doing it, but I know we got the eviction notice and my mom didn't. She If she, if my mom got eviction notice and it says you have 30 days to quit, my mom would just leave. And that's just her MO. Mm-hmm. Um, so... She packed up the car and we got in the car and went to Houston. My brother went back to uh, my brother went back to California to L.A. How did you feel about him going to L.A. and you going to Houston? He ended up in Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. When she had us pack bags, um, I was upset. I didn't want to leave San Francisco, so I was I was really 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 upset leaving San Francisco. Talk a bit more about your mum's mental state and what what was happening with her. We were on a, um, I would say, maybe like two hours out of San Francisco, and then that's when my mom seen the helicopter, and um, she pulled over and she took me outside. My sister was little, so she took me outside, and then she said that that helicopter has been following her for a couple years. So you're on your way to Texas and. Uh... Some big drama happened in Texas that resulted in you adopting a new identity. But I think we'll talk about that in the next episode. Yes. Yeah? Wow. Thank you for sharing all of this. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's not easy for you. No, it is. It's fine. Is it? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Mm -hmm. Possibly. Are you sure you want to expose all your secrets and your... No, I still have a couple of secrets that's not have exposed. Have you? Yeah. Really? Are you oh, going yeah. to tell us what they are? Mm-mm. This? No. Mm-mm. There's a couple of things I'm going to keep to myself. Okay. I suppose everyone's got to keep a couple of secrets. Yeah, a couple. Yeah. All right. Thanks. We'll be back again next time. Okay. I'm out. Motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 On the next episode, Terence continues his incredible life story. I took the gas can and I poured the gas from the street into the garage, into the kitchen, into the living room. So it was like a long streak that went all the way into the house. And then um, that was the first time I lit a house on fire. When I got arrested, Police took me down a long dirt road and they beat me with the um, with their billy clubs. They was in the car calling me nigger and they beat me. They beat me up really, really bad. Please visit our website at wheremamaapp.com or soulbearsessions.com where you'll find links to all of our socials as well as information about resources that might be useful to you if some of the things that we've talked about today have resonated with you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate a review and please tell your friends about the series and help spread the message that no matter how grim a situation may seem, there are others who have gone through something similar and have made it through. Thank you so much for listening. 
It really, really means the world to us and we look forward to having you with us again next time. Have a great day and thank you. This series was brought to you by Glistening Productions. It was produced by Angela Smith. Associate producer was Sarah Walters. Editing was by Terence Holloway and Richard Hayward. Cameras by Richard Venti. Sound recording was by Marty Black. And the executive producers are Angela Smith and M. Jacoby. Glistening Productions.